Hello and welcome to another episode of Sounds Like Comics, the podcast devoted to all things comic books in movies and TV. I'm Luke. And I'm Jay. Welcome to the podcast. Today's topic, Ghost Rider, the supernatural action film based on the comic book of the same name from Marvel Comics. The film stars Nicolas Cage as Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider, with Eva Mendes, Wes Bentley, Sam Elliott, Donald Logue, Matt Long and Peter Fonda in supporting roles. This is your warning. We will be talking spoilers. Ghost Rider, um, Marvel Comics character from the 60s, like so many other, like all of Marvel's big names, really. Um, Very simple premise. Motorcycles were in. Uh, This is, you know, the era. Actually, maybe maybe it was early 70s for Ghost Rider. I'm pretty sure it was late 60s, though. This is Rebel Without a Cause and big movies like that. Um, a lot of... Well, Easy Rider. Uh, this movie also features Peter Fonda. Yeah. Um, and did the whole motorcycle culture had come out in this era because servicemen from World War II and from Korea had returned home Harley Davidsons were part of the GI's um, vehicles, um, and there was a sense of freedom for that. They were pract- well practiced on them, uh, and had become quite adept at them. And when they got home, you know, they're dealing with PTSD, which you know at the time was shell shock, um, and but also ex-service bikes were super cheap, so they could buy like a brand like the one of these motorcycles they loved. And this is like uh, post-World War One in the 20s where stunt flyers would buy ex-service planes. And yet the barn stormers who would, you know, early days of video, like crash them into, literally crash a behind into a barn uh, and survive and do like da- daring aerial shows in front of live crowds and that sort of thing. The motorbikes kind of did the second, the same thing after the Second World War. So I, Ghost Rider comes into this. There's the whole occult thing. I mean, the design is instantly every kid, whether they know Ghost Rider exists or not, has probably scribbled a flaming skull head in a notebook somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I mean the design instantly recognizable. Nicholas Cage has a Ghost Rider tattoo that they had to cover up. Because it'd be a bit weird if his character <laughs> had a Ghost Rider tattoo. So yeah, I mean, Cage famously is a comic book fan, but Ghost Rider is yeah. clearly one of his favourites. And back in 2007, when this film came out, Nicolas Cage would have been a big get for the studio. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is still like a prime Cage still riding high off. Um, Gone in 60 seconds and Captain Corelli's mandolin. And, you know, I mean, it was the late 90s, mid to late 90s, he really surged to prominence, but he was still working with big name directors at this time. In fact, you know, uh, I think Snake Eyes wasn't too long before this. Yeah, I think that um, was, so, yeah, I think that was still, still 90s, but yeah, 2007. Yeah. He was still still riding high. 
But this film, I mean, I watched it in cinemas. Did you? Go to yeah. Cinemas? Yeah. I mean, of course. Yeah. I think I saw. Yeah. I think I saw it twice in cinema. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I was a fan of Nick Cage, Marvel comics, knew the character. So yes, I was pretty keen to watch it on the big screen. I mean, this film was met with negative reviews from critics, but it was a box office success, earning 228.7 million worldwide on a 110 million budget. A sequel titled Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance was released February 2012 with Cage reprising his role. I mean, it's been a long time since I've seen Spirit of Vengeance. All of it yeah, and that is him pissing fire. Yeah, pissing fire. Um, it was by the directors of Crank. That's right. Yes. Um, the one big thing I remember was when he gets in, and any vehicle he touched became like Ghost Rider vehicle. So he's in the crane, and that goes all flamey, and was it was an awesome sequence. Um, but I've been holding yeah, off watching that one again until we reviewed this one. I only wanted. Again, other than the pissing fire, I don't remember. So you just reminded me about transforming other vehicles. This film was directed by Mark Steven Johnson. His second yes. Marvel film, first one being Daredevil with Ben Affleck. I think that yep. was 2003. Yeah, 2000... 2003. 2003, 2004. Well, when was Batman Begins? Because that's when Electra came out. Yeah, that was 05. See, yeah. Yeah, 2003 sounds right. Yeah. That was Daredevil. Um, Johnson put forward his own money to make an action sequence in which Ghost Rider battles a helicopter. So he believed in it. It's like, yeah. so maybe the studio said no to that particular sequence, but he wanted it in the movie. I mean, just doing the rewatch. Rebel Wilson is in this film. It is very young, Rebel Wilson. <laughs> yeah, apparently, I read somewhere that it was her her debut film, and she's credited as Girl in the Alley. Yeah, <laughs> her first film film credit. But yeah, yeah, and she was in the trailers as well. Like she actually she made the trailers. She was in the movie, but you know she played a part in that sequence, and then. The movie moved on. But Nick Cage, the character's quirky. The actor's quirky. The character of Johnny Blaze, this portrayal is quirky. I mean, what, what is he? Is it M&M's or Skittles? Skittles out of a martini glass. Um, that was something that Nicolas Cage came up with. I thought so. Like, given the trauma of what his life is and that kind of thing, um, he's distracting himself. He's like, he's trying to, he's, you know, he's got all the occult books around him. He keeps having these violent accidents that he walks away from without a scratch. Um, and he's concerned. So he's trying to keep his mind off it and not really living by having on the carpenters all the time and watching cartoons and that in, that he doesn't touch alcohol. He it's, the sweets and by out of the martini glass. These are quirks he thought would add some dimension to Johnny Blaze. Yeah. Uh, none of it in the comics. None of that happens. Johnny Blaze is uh, just what we get in the intro of the movie. He's a stunt 
bike performer for a circus whose dad has cancer that's killing him and inadvertently makes a deal with the devil, uh, Mephisto, the devil everyone's still waiting to appear on the MCU. <laughs> is that actually who this is then? Because yeah. he's got a longer name, or I guess Mephisto is just short then. So that's who Peter Fox Yeah, Mephistopheles. Right, is, that's it. Yeah. But he's actually Mephisto. Yeah, it's who everybody thought was behind Spider-Man Nowhere Home. It's who everybody thought was behind WandaVision. We're still waiting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, everyone's like, every time something happens, they're like, oh, this is Mephisto, he's coming. But this, we've seen him. We saw him in this. Um, and his son, Blackheart, which is the actual main villain. Uh, but, you know, we're talking about uh, Mephisto, the devil, main character, Peter Fonda. That's a massive get for a, for a movie, um, especially a comic book movie in 2007. But this film, though, not... Like it does have a good cast because again, you know, we're talking about Nick Cage, and then we've got Eva Mendez, Peter yeah. Fonda, Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. This film really does have a good cast. So just going back to Cage, when we see him with his top off, it's always like I've always thought, is that actually him? And I didn't realize that this was actually a thing. Yeah. Rumors persist that Cage's abs in the movie were CGI. They are? Well, Mark Stephen Johnson <laughs> refused this on the audio or the DVD commentary. Okay. Well, what I saw from the... I think it was someone who works in the special effects department. They were having to digitally remove all of Nick Cage's tattoos because he actually has quite a few tattoos, not just his arms, like the Ghost Rider tattoo, but he has some on his torso as well. Um, and hair as well. He didn't shave. They had to smooth him out because that's just a comic book thing. You can't have a, a hairy chest superhero for some reason, uh, uh, you know, unless you're Henry Cavill. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and why he was at it, I guess, out of boredom because it was taking him so long to shade out all of the tattoos and skin, he took the abs, if despite... Nicholas Cage's phenomenal shape. He took the abs off a uh, Rambo action figure from the 80s and CGI'd that <laughs> over Nick Cage's abs. What? Yep. Wow. And if you look side by side at the action figure and off that <laughs> screenshot, identical. I, I, I can't believe what I'm hearing. I believe what you're saying, but I'm just shocked. Like I, I was believing the director. <laughs> yeah. But you've actually yeah. found proof online. All right, well, we're at it then. Another Marvel hero's abs. Tobey Maguire in Sam Raimi's mm -hmm. Spider-Man. Do you know anything about that? Is that really him? Yes, he got into incredible shape. Wow. Because uh, they, they did the opening scenes first, you know, when he's all, like, sickly and uh, weak. Then he went on a, like, crazy four or five month uh, gym routine, and he's vegan. So he had a bulk like that without animal proteins which is super hard to do uh, and that's the shape he got into but because of his age and how little body fat percentage like when you see his abs you know his abs actually seem to like compress that's just because of his super low body fat percentage wow it's really impressive yeah i always wondered because when you've got the sequences in the bedroom he takes the glasses off 
anyway, that's enough of talking about male physique. But before we move on from Cage, though, his hairpiece required three hours to apply every day. Wow. I mean, you these want, days, uh, you want to move. Surely, it's quicker. <laughs> yeah, but you want a movie star like Cage back in 07, You've got to pay the money. You've got to take the time. Paint abs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's funny because the, the same is with Chris Evans. He's got a few tattoos on his torso. Um, they He gets waxed because he also has quite a lot of body hair. Um, so he gets waxed. But these days, sometimes they will touch up the, um, the, the tattoos and things of that nature with CGI. But these days you also have really high quality tattoo cover-up makeup um, because tattoos have become so synonymous and it's become a requirement for people in their day-to-day lives. If you have to do a long time getting a shot, it's just quicker to have someone come and cover it up with makeup. Um, but yeah, it's still a, a technique of CGIing. It's just expensive. So it's how long's the shot? Is it a single shot? We'll CGI it then. If not, if it's a fairly lengthy sequence without a shirt, makeup. So, yeah, all the things I learned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Behind the scenes documentaries. And I'm benefiting from it. People listening are also going to be benefiting from it. Eva Mendes as Roxanne Simpson, Johnny's childhood love interest and current girlfriend who is a news reporter. So that's how she fits into the story. I did read something uh, that Mendes said that, I mean, this is a character, it sounds like, appeared in the comics. And she was quite voluptuous, a curvy lady. So she put effort into putting on weight for the role. Yeah. I think from memory, back uh, reading interviews when it came out, she had to put on like, like quite a bit, like 18 or 20 pounds. I remember until like, and she goes, I've just likely my genetics puts it on my hips and my bust, um, which is where I needed it because it's very common for it to go on a belly. But she like, luckily at, at that specifically at that time and with her genetics, she it go went exactly where she needed it. Oh, I mean, in the movie, she looks incredible. Yeah, she does. Absolutely incredible. And plays the reporter role well. She does. She unfortunately, as is typical with a love interest that they're finding a way to shoehorn into a story. She doesn't get a lot of stuff other than being an object. Like she's what he wants and they use her to comedic effect as well. Like when she gets stood up at the restaurant, when he's going through his initial transformation as Ghost Rider um, and she's, exacerbated and she's ironically accidentally looking for him but you spend so little time with them together because they've got so much other stuff to do hers becomes like generic uh, like love interest stuff of like pining over him being concerned when she sees the news and figures out what's going on and it's like and you know be the damsel at the end that he has to give the bad guy what he wants in order to get, it's like, okay, I, I get it. And she's, and she's unfortunately working with very little, but she looks great doing it. Um, yeah. her, 
you know, you know, thankfully she's up post this. She got many other roles to really show off her acting chops, but she wasn't given a lot for this. Mention um, the transformation there. Yeah. Cage's computer generated skull was made from a three dimensional X-ray taken of his actual skull. That's awesome. That's amazing. <laughs> I, I had no idea. I mean, it does look computer generated, but it because it's not, I guess, if they were doing it today, like I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., they had not Johnny Blaze, but a different Ghost Rider on there. Robbie Reyes. Yes. And the effects, had, even on TV, the effects had come a long, long way since this first movie. But yeah. even though it's not the best looking effects, it's still really cool because it's a guy with a flaming skull and he's got the yeah. get the chain. So it looks really cool. But that was interesting to know there how they actually did the skull. It wasn't just a skull. It was molded or based off yeah. of cage. Yeah. And it's something that these days they could achieve better. But one of the things that they would add now, and I can't, I can't recall. I remember the effects were definitely better in the sequel. Um, was smoke, smoke off the flame. That's not, you don't see that a lot in this movie because smoke generation and smoke simulation is actually one of the most difficult things to do in, uh, yeah. in, in, in CGI. Um, and back when they made this, it was especially hard. Like, mm, we can do without. Another thing would be uh, area lighting from the effect i reckon these days if they were to make this the actor would be wearing some kind of halo uh, or hat or helmet with leds producing the light so it'd splash onto them like when you look at a star wars project at the moment and they use lightsabers it's producing all the light required because yep. they actually have those just like the toys it's a it's a light attached to a handle that makes sound effects the ones they use that make the effects sound effects but that does cast the light so they get this proper light splash um and that but again 2007 this was not something that they could achieve even the the prequel star wars movies didn't do this with their lightsabers and it was a fairly recent thing to add these things where you have leds and that's small enough that you could use and not affect your base plate for the cgi it's a very recent uh advancement what i do really like in this film though and it's not just the effects it's cage's performance as well the first time we see him transform yeah, yeah. It's, you know we're getting a big cage performance as you know we sometimes do and yeah. just the transformation i thought they did a really good job of that like we got to see that it's a painful process it's not like just clicking your fingers and he's there yeah. he actually has to go through the transformation each time yeah and they they do the thing where initially it's like the ghost rider takes over and it's a separate entity because it's what's it's a thing that's possessing him he has to learn to control it so he's in charge um, which works really well, um, which is why he knows how to use the penance stare because he doesn't go. He doesn't go to head, go, like Ghost Rider school. <laughs> yeah, 
he's got to be ta- he's got to learn these things um but yeah it works well you do get sam elliott come in who's immaculate as he always is um well he ends up being a mentor type doesn't he his care his, his uh name is caretaker but you do eventually find out that he was the previous ghost rider um who has a tombstone where in the cemetery where he's been hiding the MacGuffin, the 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 contract of uh the town i'm pretty sure the sequence because we find out that you yeah he was a previous ghost rider and he's got one ride left we've got that sequence where they're going through the desert you've got blaze on his bike you've got slade on horseback but both of them are flaming I'm pretty sure that was in the trailer. I'd seen yeah. that sequence before I'd watched the movie, but still, it's such a great visual because that was giving us two Ghost Riders. And it was at a time where, I mean, we'd had the X-Men movies and Fantastic Four, but we'd not had Avengers, Justice League, where all these heroes would come together. So I thought it was really cool at the time having two versions of Ghost Rider together. And as you say, Sam Elliott, Incredible. And not his first Marvel film. In 2003, he was General Thunderbolt Ross in the Eric Banner Hulk film. Which he again did a massive, a great job. I, I've never, I don't think I've ever seen a bad performance out of Sam Elliott. Um, the only criticism I have for his character in this is he is Mr. Exposition. Every time Nicolas Cage runs into him, it's more exposition dump of you know you need to do this you need to learn this this is what's happening this is who's chasing you which yeah you've got to get the information across and i'm you know this runs at the typical hour and 37 minutes you know uh typical you know it's the standard time that all movies in the mid 2000s had to fit in like every single movie no movie ran two hours Every movie was between an hour and a half, an hour and 45 minutes. Um, so, you know, it's a tough job. I mean, I'm so aware of expositionary dialogue now. No matter what I watch, it can be the most beautifully crafted high-end film or TV show that has ever been produced. And if there's a character who's delivering lines just to give me as an audience member, my brain goes, exposition. It's just pointed out it's really bad, but he's yeah, like, I could listen to Sam Elliott talk all day. I could listen to him just, talk about yeah. what the weather's coming up. I was just going to say it's the dialogue's being delivered by Sam Elliott with, with my kids at the weekend, we watched a cartoon and Sam Elliott was voicing a cow barnyard, <laughs> the Kevin James movie. And it's just, you know, it doesn't matter if he's a ghost rider is a talking cow. You could just listen to Sam Elliott all day long. Another actor in this, who's also been in a Marvel movie before, Donald Logue. Yeah. The first movie in 98. Yes, he was. The movie that kicked it all off. (laughs) That's right. But here he is in this. He's playing Mac, a member of Johnny's team. And... You know, he's worried that Johnny, more than usual, is going off the rails a little bit. He's escalating his his fates. The 
he's on the bike, the buses, and he's worried that he's going to push it too far. And Mac yeah. dies, gets killed. No more Mac. Yeah. Yeah. And um, yeah, Donald Logue is another one of those actors. He's super consistent with his performances, whether it's this, whether it's Blade, whether it was the Gotham TV series. Like, the, I don't know, a guy, another actor who doesn't know how to turn in a bad performance. Um, and other than Eva Mentes, he's the only other character of which there's any established relationship for us to give a, a crap about. Um, which yeah, you you do you do buy buy their friendship. You know, we talked about Rebel Wilson earlier. Bring yep. it up again. Australian. She's yep. in this movie. The film was shot in Australia. Really? Yep. I had no idea. So <laughs> what in Sydney? I mean, I, I don't know where exactly, but I mean I guess so for the for the skyscrapers. I mean, obviously the movie's set in the US, but the film was shot in Australia. Man, wild. That's crazy. Well, I found um, that because I was looking into Christopher Young, the film's composer. In addition to his score, Spider Bait, a band that Johnson befriended during filming in Australia, performed a cover of Ghost Riders in the Sky for the end credits. Ah. sense why Rebel Wilson will pop up in this as her first film credit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, that's crazy. I no idea. No idea at all. Um, I still get like surprised. I'll watch like new films and then the end credits, thanks to the Corporation of Australia. Hang on. I thought I was just watching this big budget American movie. Yeah, because you know, I remember um, Fox Studios on the East Coast, which I wonder if they're now a Disney studio. Um, well, it was freshly built in the the late 90s. That's where the Star Wars prequels were filmed because it was the largest and newest soundstage that George Lucas could get his hands on. Um, so, yeah, that it shouldn't surprise me. Matrix was also filmed there, but it does, like, because it's not something that you think yeah. of. We're on the West Coast. Nothing, almost nothing gets filmed here. So when you find out something happens on the other side of the country, keep in mind, uh, anyone listening from outside Australia, Australia is the size of the US. In fact, we're slightly larger landmass um, if, you in, if you include the Tasmania. So, yeah, it's literally like New York to LA, except in the middle, there's nothing, <laughs> nothing <laughs> at all. <laughs> You know, a recent rewatch of the first Matrix, I'm pretty sure you see a Dimmux. Yeah. Which is an Australian bookshop. Yeah. Yeah. In fact, I've walked down, uh, well, I have been to Sydney for my brother's wedding a few years ago. I noticed on a, the, a watch after, of Matrix afterwards, I'm like, I know that street. I've been there. Around the corner, there's this thing. <laughs> so, yeah, it is. Like it is, it's probably like people who uh, live in Chicago and watch the, the Nolan Batman movies. Like, ah, oh, yeah, I know that. That's down the road, <laughs> downtown. Yeah. We talked about it, didn't we, when we did our review of Batman Begins? That film, they try and give Gotham an identity and have it look like Gotham. Yeah, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Returns, Chicago. Yeah, it's trying. You look at it, 
it is Chicago. But that first one, it actually looks like Gotham. Ghost Rider, going back to this movie, <laughs> if you're going to rate it out of five. Unfortunately, this is a product of its time. Um, super quick, super short. Uh, there's no real buildup of characters outside of that's the love interest. That's his mate who dies. That's the previous guy who's got to give him all of his information. The actors are doing the best they can under the circumstances. And like you said, even the director had to cough up his own money in order to get sequences he was after into the movie. It all kind of culminates down into like a two out of five for me. Um, so the, some of the special effects have still aged really well. His bike still looks great. Um, the flames don't look quite as like integrated into the scenes as they would these days. The score is decent, not particularly memorable, but nothing like horrible. Just not like we've had so many classic scores since then. But yeah, overall, about a, a two out of five. How about for yourself? Well, what's the score? I don't remember a Ghost Rider theme. I remember the love theme that they play. Yeah. Because they play it a lot. But yeah, but I don't really remember a theme. I mean, there is one, and I'm sure it's like heavy and metal sounding. But yeah, I don't really remember. With my rating, yeah, I'm going to give it a bump because of Cage. I I, you know, I know you're a fan of his as well, um, but I'm not going to go silly with it. Like this is a movie that I've seen, I've seen a lot, like maybe six times, seven. I've seen it quite a few times. Uh, yeah, I I've got the soundtrack. I, I was all in when this movie came out. <laughs> three out of five. I'm going to come in at a three. Like it's it's a recommend, but you're right. It definitely is a product of its time. Like. You know, recent films like Venom, Morbius, they do feel a lot like this type of comic book movie that we were getting in the early 2000s, mid-2000s. They do, yeah. Um, Also Sony movies. Also, there you go. have the problem. At least this one, one thing I will say is... uh, Morbius especially suffered from terrible editing where it's, you know, you could feel scenes cut out early where there was probably something more scenes picked up from information that hasn't been, hadn't been delivered to us, the viewers were like, wait, what, why are we here? What's going on? Uh, Morbius, the child who gets put into a coma and we never go back to, to find out what happened to her. Like, this mo- Ghost Rider does not have any of these issues. It flows. It's all, it flows. Yeah. flows. It's all trackable. Nothing gets dropped and forgotten about. Everything gets sorted and it's like, like so information comes in, situations arise, situations get resolved and tied up. It's all neat. It's just, you know, it's probably too quick for an origin movie. You want about two hours because you've got to set up your app, your, your protagonist, your antagonists and any ancillary characters that are going to be important, which is, you know, the sort of stuff they've learned since, I mean, go, you know, Iron Man came out after this. Uh, we have to point out this is before the MCU kicked off. Um, but yeah, like it's not, it, 
as I said, everyone's doing a good job. It's just we've had better since. In fact, the, I believe they're looking at putting together a Ghost Rider movie now. Um, their director's name is getting kicked around. I haven't heard any actors' names getting pushed around yet. We don't know whether they're going to go with Johnny Blaze, as we have in this Ghost Rider. Danny Ketch, who was the second Ghost Rider, who was used in the sequel for this as a young boy. Um, or just two more Ghost Riders. You have uh, Robbie Reyes, the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ghost Rider who drives a sweet Dodge Charger. Or there's, I can't remember the character name, but there's a female Ghost Rider who's like a Japanese uh, superbike rider. It, you, you have four options. Um, I would suspect them to use Robbie Reyes and maybe use Nicolas Cage to hand mantle down from the not one we know in the established one down to I'd the new one. I'd be very surprised. I remember that episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where Robbie Reyes became the new Ghost Rider. Johnny Blaze was in it, but you never saw an actor. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they do something like that, even if it's for, if even if it's a voice, but he's not actually on set. Just as, as a little nod. I think they'll but, start. Yeah. And they, they tried on Agents of Shield, and I think it worked fairly well, you know, within the show. Yeah. But with Disney Plus, and that was ABC, which is technically still Disney, but now the Netflix shows are done. They have been for a while, but Charlie Cox is coming back as Daredevil. For Disney Plus, he's a darker character like we've got with Moon Knight. So I think if they can do the effects well on TV, which we have seen from the MCU shows, maybe Ghost Rider could be a better fit on TV or if they are going to go ahead with a film. Yeah, and, you know, he is part of the Midnight Suns. The the video game's coming out very soon. Uh, But we know Mashallah Ali is Blade. He was the, not only was he announced, but he was the person saying, I won't touch that FOU at the end of Eternals. Which when, is ridiculous. That, that's yeah. he, yeah, anyway. Anyway, do you know so, what? I, yeah, I think we, sh- we should, I think we've done it. I think we've done it. <laughs> we're, we're going down some different avenues here. So that's it for our episode all about Ghost Rider. If you'd like to contact us about this episode or suggest a topic for an upcoming episode, you can find us on Facebook as Sounds Like Comics Podcast. You've been listening to Luke and Jay, the guys from Sounds Like Comics. See you soon.